Welcome back to First Focus, a podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Columbia. Purpose to update the church with current news and events happening within the ministry of our church. I'm your host, Troy Cash, and joining me today for a special Advent episode of our First Focus podcast is a pretty special guest, our senior minister, Dr. Derek Thomas. Dr. Thomas, how are you? Thank you, Troy. It's a pleasure to be here again. Well, it's a delight to have you here, as always. So the seasons are changing. The leaves, if they haven't already fallen off of the trees by the time this podcast airs, will currently uh, be well on their way. Um, And we have that long-awaited, pun intended there, long-awaited chill in the air uh, that signifies sweet relief for us here in Columbia. And we understand it as God's good gift. Uh, so, but these changes uh, for many of us begin to kind of kindle an excitement about the season that follows, which is, of course, the topic of our conversation today, uh, the Advent season, the celebration of the coming of our Savior, Christ Jesus. And so we do that in a number of ways in particular here at First Pres, and uh, not the least of which is reflected in our liturgical content in our corporate worship, but we'll talk about that here in a moment. I thought before we get started talking about some of the ways that we specifically celebrate the Advent season here at First Pres, could you explain briefly what is Advent and uh, why do we observe it? Well, the English word Advent comes from the Latin uh, Adventus, uh, which means coming, and it was the way in which Jerome in the what fourth century. Uh, translated the Greek uh, parousia, uh, which is the word for coming in Greek, mm-hmm. and, but in the Latin edition, uh, it became Adventus. And the Bible talks about two parousias, two comings. Uh, the first coming in the Incarnation, uh, which is what we usually mean by Advent, mm-hmm. but it, it would be the same word uh, that we would employ for the second coming. But I've never actually seen the second coming referred to as Christ's Advent, mm-hmm. uh, although technically that would be the case. Sure, it's a wonderful season. Uh, it's it's a a bit of a mixed thing for preachers mm-hmm. in that we typically follow the tradition uh, which began, I think, somewhere around the fifth century of recognizing the four Sundays prior to December the twenty fifth. And uh, so the first Sunday in Advent, the second Sunday in Advent, and typically that falls, uh, the first Sunday in Advent falls on the first Sunday in December. Mm-hmm. And we've also adopted the tradition, which was a Lutheran tradition in the 16th century. Right. And in the form that we do it, I think it goes back to some, somewhere like 18, 1830s, of the so-called lighting of the Advent Calend- uh, calendars, uh, candles. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so four candles and then the center one right. on Christmas Day. And it was Lutherans who sort of introduced that practice. Uh, Calvinists definitely would not have <laughs> candles. Right. Uh, we, so long as we don't attach any great religious significance, sure. it's, it's more sentimental than, mm-hmm. than anything else. Yeah. Uh, and for that reason, we do not have a Christmas tree in the sanctuary, although the March of the Poinsettias 
uh, is a, uh, probably an even greater gesture than, than the Christmas tree. <laughs> the difficulty, I think, for preachers is that there are only a handful of texts mm-hmm. that relate to Advent. Mm-hmm. And since I've been preaching Advent sermons for over 40 years, you know, you end up preaching the same passages right. over and over, and, and I always try to prepare a new one, but I can remember some of them off the top of my head. Uh, uh, and and the flow of the passage, you know, if you're preaching on the narratives of Matthew and Luke, mm-hmm. uh, and this year I was going to do uh, the Matthew uh, passages, but Sinclair Ferguson produced a book on Matthew passages. <laughs> told your thunder. <laughs> almost every woman in the church is reading, <laughs> and I thought, no, I, that's not going to work. Sure. So this year, I'm doing a selection of passages, one of which will be the narrative of Jesus' birth in Matthew, but, but I'm also looking at uh, John's prologue, mm. and the word was made flesh mm-hmm. and dwelt among us. I'm also looking at the great hymn in Philippians 2, where we read of Jesus' coming mm-hmm. and, and, and final exaltation. And then I'm going to look at the opening two verses in First John, which is also uh, a reference to the Incarnation. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Incarnation is one of the great miracles of all time, the enfleshment mm. uh, of God, that in addition to being fully and holy God, he was also fully and wholly human. Mm. So with a human mind and human psychology and human affections and a human body, of course, with all of the limitations that that implies. Mm. Uh, and I think that a lot of Christians still, and, and understandably conservative Christians, want to defend his deity mm-hmm. because of what liberalism has done since the Enlightenment, but they often defend Christ's deity at the expense of his humanity mm-hmm. and are a little reticent about the notion that Jesus, in his human mind, did not know everything. Mm. You know, there's no reason to believe that he knew in his human mind what was going to happen tomorrow. Sure. And he lived his life in total subjection to Scripture upheld as Mm. he was by the Holy Spirit. Mm. So the birth narrative in Bethlehem, of course, is just a a wonderful story, and one can never get tired of it. Um, Absolutely. So you've touched a little bit on the direction I wanted to go, and I'll make a couple comments as well, because you've talked a little bit about what our sermon series is going to be. I wanted to note two things about that. One, that our pastoral staff really puts a lot of effort into the thoughtfulness of what's being taught from the pulpit, even in these seasons, especially in these seasons. And and two, that we believe that the Lord works through his word in our hearing to penetrate our hearts with the truth of the gospel. And so, as you were saying, this season, it provides a wonderful opportunity for us to worship and actually be sanctified by the story of the incarnation of Christ. And so hopefully it whets our appetite a little to hear the the messages that you're prepared to bring. And uh, so really, you've answered one of my questions on the upcoming, what what is some of the content that we're going to go through in the sermon series? The follow-up question I would have for that is, what are you particularly eager about sharing? Well, um, two things here. First of all, uh, Advent is one of those occasions, a bit like Easter, that 
has a lot of music mm. and it has a lot of very recognizable music mm-hmm. in terms of favorite Christmas carols, but but also our music department do a fabulous job in putting on more concert-like pieces. Yeah. And uh, this year, particularly uh, the first two Sunday evenings in December, and then, of course, on Christmas Eve when we have the, the lessons and carols mm-hmm. uh, service, and we can look forward to just wonderful music. There will be short messages on the first two Sunday evenings. But then, you know, you can overdo Advent, and and I think we'll we'll just continue (laughs) with the Luke in the Sunday evenings on Sundays 3 and Mm 4. So, you know, the the joy of Advent uh, carols and Advent messages Mm -hmm. is that you are preaching about the coming into the world of our Savior. Mm. And had he not become the second Adam, had he not become an infant, uh, a human being, we could not be saved. Mm. It was necessary. Uh, Athanasius, uh, Athanasius Contramundum uh, in the 5th century, uh, in his battles against uh, an error uh, as to... Uh, the person of Christ made the point uh, that he had to be God to represent God, mm-hmm. but he also had to be man to represent humanity. And the, the sheer drama uh, of the pregnancy of Mary, the engagement, the betrothal of mm-hmm. Mary and Joseph, the visit of the shepherds in Bethlehem, uh, the much later, I think, Think visit of the uh, Magi. There's, there's some debate about the timing of the Magi uh, that Luke doesn't mention at all, right. but only only Matthew. Uh, and I think I think that Jesus went back home to to Nazareth, but then came back. I think to Jerusalem, presumably roughly when he was around two. Sure, uh, and then uh, the exile to Egypt. Mm-hmm when Herod uh, did that awful, dreadful thing in Bethlehem with little two-year-old mm-hmm. boys. But, and as I said earlier, I mean, you, you, one never gets tired. I mean, if, if you got tired of preaching Christmas messages, I think that you are spiritually in a very bad place. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to have a little bit of fun, ask a couple of lighthearted questions to end our time. It'll give us a little bit of your personal preferences, but also, I'm sure, great recommendations. Uh, so, what is your favorite Advent or Christmas hymn? Well, the one I think that tells me Christmas is here, or Advent season is here, would be Hark the Herald Angels Sing mm. by Charles Wesley. And I think I'm right in saying that the background to it is that he was walking to church on Christmas Day and heard uh, the church bells ringing and the words of Hark the Herald Angels wow. Sing came into his head. That sounds very Wesleyan. And you know, he, he wrote, I think, something like 6,000 hymns, the, the greatest, most prolific male uh, hymn writer of all time. Fanny Crosby, I think, would be the most prolific female mm. hymn writer. But next to you know Isaac Watts, I guess, mm-hmm. um, Charles Wesley's hymns are, are very solid. They're very theological. Mm-hmm. They, they contain strong 
emphases on the cardinal doctrines mm. uh, and and some advent carols can be a little frothy and, yeah. and light <laughs> right. um, and and the, there are there's a place for that mm-hmm. uh, you know just just as there's a place for dessert but you know too much dessert is not Right, we we need the main meal right. first. <laughs> um, well, do you do you have a favorite line of a favorite hymn? Um, yes, the line in "Hark the Herald Angels Sing" about the second birth, mm-hmm. uh, which places it, I think, smack dab in the middle of the 18th century, where in the Great Awakening, uh, the preaching of Wesley, John mm-hmm. John Wesley's brother, but also of George Whitfield was very much on the second birth, mm. uh, that you must, uh, John 3, Nicodemus, that you must be born again. Mm. Uh, and there's a very direct reference to that in Hark the Old Angels yeah. Sing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the first recommendation for a devotional for Advent that comes to mind. Well, it has to be Sinclair for uh, <laughs> I was he, I was setting uh, you up for that slam dunk. <laughs> and uh, there are two of them, and I published one last year uh, on Luke and this year on Matthew. And I uh, can't imagine anything better. Which the newest one, I think, is the Dawn of Redeeming Grace. Yes. Yeah, they're very sweet. Um, a sweet Christmas memory that has stuck with you. Um. So in Belfast, uh, and I was there for 17 years, uh, the tradition was that there was a short service on Christmas Day morning. Mm. Uh, probably unthinkable here. <laughs> and there was also a tradition uh, where on Christmas Eve, the service would be at midnight, mm. which made things very complicated. And the lack of sleep over Christmas was something. But... but if you can imagine a Christmas Day service, say at 10 o'clock, and a family-friendly service, so all the kids come, they've opened some, if not all, of their presents, sure. and they bring them to church. Oh, wow. Right? So you've got, you had tons of little children, you know, with stuffed animals or with, with a toy, a bicycle, you know, whatever, and yeah. most of these toys made a noise. So it was absolute <laughs> bedlam. Um, and it was just a matter of trying to sort of keep very excited uh, children. And because it was Christmas Day, you know, there was there was almost little attempt on the part of parents to try and keep them quiet. Sure. So, but it was it was fun. And uh, I, I sort of, in one sense, missed that. I mean, that is sweet. Yeah. Thank the Lord that uh, in corporate worship, I mean, as in all of life, but especially corporate worship, he brings order to the chaos. <laughs> uh, well, lastly, uh, I typically try to ask this question of every guest. It's simply how can those listening be in prayer for you and be in prayer for the body as a whole over this season? Yeah, um, that that as ministers, we, we don't lose uh, the sense of joy and thanksgiving and wonder. Uh, as to what Christmas actually means. Mm. So we don't approach it as yet another Advent to get through because, you know, there are a lot of services. Mm-hmm. Um, Christmas Eve last year when we had five services mm-hmm. uh, was a trial for sure. Oh, yeah. And this year we'll just go back to the two. But um, 
it needs to have that note of being special. Mm. And, and by that I mean a sense of God's presence, mm. a sense of the Holy Spirit uh, in worship, and a freshness. And, and that's, I think it's hard to be fresh mm. for something that you've, you've preached so many times. Sure, yeah. Well, it's rightly apt that we're thinking about the word made flesh, or as Del Ralph puts it, the word made fresh. Yes. <laughs> well, we will certainly be in prayer for you Thank and you. all of our ministers as you all seek to bring the word to us during this season, yes. that we would all have the joy of our salvation. It's a difficult season for some in church because they've lost loved ones, mm. they've lost children, they've lost parents, they've lost spouses. Um, so it's not, it's not always for every member, you know, the most pleasant mm -hmm. season mm -hmm. for, for that reason. And, and trying to be sensitive. It's the same on Mother's Day yeah, or, or Father's Day, but who, who remembers Father's Day? But, <laughs> but I think it's number 20 in the most popular uh, days of the year. We remember the barbecue on yeah. Father's Day more than we remember. Yeah. yeah. But um, so being, being sensitive sure. to that. Well, that's a definitely a great way we can be in prayer for each other. Well, Dr. Thomas, thank you. I'm grateful for your shepherding ministry here to us. And uh, thank you for spending some time with me. And thank you, today. Troy, for what you do here. And thanks to all those who are listening. If you want to stay connected to the show and be made aware of the new episodes as they're released, download our app, FPC Cola, on the App Store or on Google Play. You can find this podcast along with all of our other content under the Media tab. Through these efforts, our hope is that you'll continue to be built up as the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, and to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. <laughs>